Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. As Cuba's longtime leader Fidel Castro remains in recovery after intestinal surgery, many wonder about the future of Cuba. I'm here with Ian Vasquez, director of the Project on Global Economic Liberty in today's daily podcast. Are we witnessing just a change in leadership or true regime change in Cuba? Well, it's beginning to look like what we're seeing in Cuba is a test run to eventual transition there. Castro may be recovering. We, we don't really know because it's pretty opaque, closed system, so there's not much information. But the big question remains, and that is if the transition that we're seeing is only a transition of leadership or it's a transition into a different kind of regime. And that's a question that nobody can truly answer, I think, even within Cuba because these things are very unpredictable. One scenario would be that Raul Castro would begin to compromise on some of the socialist principles if he stayed in power and begin opening up and reforming a little bit. Part of the reason I think that is because there's widespread discontent on the island with the status quo. People simply have not been doing well under communism, as most of us would expect. And the military itself is a constituency that may very well favor reform. After all, they're very involved in business activities since the the 1990s, when uh, Cuba lost its patron, the Soviet Union, and with it the $4 to $6 billion in subsidies that it was receiving. That forced Cuba to, to make some adjustments, and it was Raul Castro who was advocating opening up to foreign investment in some areas that can earn foreign exchange, the dollarization of the economy, and and so on. And so it was at that time that that the military became involved in all sorts of things, from hotels to travel agencies to gasoline stations, businesses that produce revenues in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And I think that it will be very hard for anybody after Castro to hold socialism together if further reforms are made. We already know a lot about the sentiments of the Cuban community in Miami, But how do those living under Castro feel about the potential loss of their leader for the past 47 years? There's not a free press in Cuba. There's not freedom of association. There's not even freedom of any other types of expression. So we don't know for sure how people will feel. But all indications are that people want change. We can see that in the number of thousands of so-called boat people who come over on rafts to the United States whenever they can. We can see that in the number of civil society groups that have been formed on the island since the 1990s, which have proliferated. We know that the economic situation in Cuba is poor. It's still not up to the level that it was in terms of consumption or income that existed in 1989 or 90 as the Soviet Union was collapsing. And so people are fed up with that. They're fed up also with a system that has given a very small fraction of Cubans the opportunity to do business in dollars and with the outside world, for example, in tourism, but that does not permit ordinary Cubans to be involved in that. And so that has created a two-tiered system, what some people have called tourism apartheid. And these are the types of things quite beyond the lack of uh, political freedom, and other liberties that have made the ordinary citizen quite fed up. Even the so-called triumphs of the revolution, health care and so on, are failing simply because you have a system that doesn't generate wealth and therefore can't even pay for the socialized medicine that's promised. If you go to a hospital 
you have to find your own medicines or pay for your own medicines and bring your own blankets. You'll get attention, but they just won't have the equipment or the medicines to treat you. And this is a large part of the reason why there's pent-up discontent. What is the role of Venezuela in this transition? Venezuela is key here because it has sort of taken the place of the Soviet Union during the Cold War in providing subsidies that are worth about a billion dollars a year now, mostly by selling oil cheaply to Cuba. So it has taken the place of the old Soviet Union and has allowed, beginning in the late 1990s, the government there to backtrack on some reforms. For example, de-dollarization began a couple of years ago. The use of dollars to do business internationally has also been restricted, and a lot of regulations have been imposed on businesses in Havana, like hotels and others, that have wanted to continue to do business well. I think that the regime, at least Fidel Castro, noticed that people were becoming more independent and creating constituencies for reform because of that opening up. I was in Cuba, in Havana, four years ago, and I noticed even then that the military and former military officials were very much involved in all of those businesses. If you go to all the important state-owned enterprises, for example, they are run by former military generals and top officials, very trusted with Fidel, friends of Fidel, actually. It's pretty clear that their role is to provide a certain level of revenues for the state, and then above that point, they're doing business on their own. So what you see in Cuba is a strange mixture of statist socialism and entrepreneurship. And again, it is these people in the elite connected to the military that have really taken advantage of the opening and probably want to continue to do so. Should the United States take any part in this? For a long time now, I've been advocating an end to the embargo, even under Fidel's leadership. And so I think that what the United States should do is to end the embargo. It should avoid heavy-handed moves of the kind that has been going on for a long time. I don't think that ending the embargo is going to make a huge difference. It's certainly not going to save socialism from its own flaws, which is what a lot of conservatives seem to think here in the United States and what certainly hardline communists in Cuba believe will happen. There's no reason to think that. I do think that the main benefit of lifting the embargo would be to take away one of the ready excuses that the regime has to explain away the failures of socialism on the island. And it would also allow ordinary Americans to come into frequent contact with ordinary Cubans. And that's a good thing. For one thing, it would probably help continue to expand the vast informal economy in Cuba. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.